Awesome. Good morning, friends. Can we just thank the worship team? Was that not so sweet today? Thank you guys for just leading us into his presence and getting us in the flow of the river that we're getting into today. I love the flow of the river. That's what we're doing. Uh, my name is Patty Bus. I have the privilege today of bringing the word. Um, I don't know all of you. I'm not on staff here, but I, my husband is Steve. Together we facilitate One Hope. Um, but this is our home. This is our church place. And so um, love being here. And I'm grateful for this opportunity. Uh, this morning, the men, Jason and Joshua, are vacationing and men camping and doing all kinds of great stuff. So, And Janelle told me I can do whatever I want to do. So I hope you guys are ready for that. <laughs> no. The Lord will edit me. He will. He's good to do that. Let's just pray this morning. I just believe the Lord really wants to bring an equipping to us today that we would have a grace and an equipping from the Holy Spirit to uh, commission us in fresh ways. So, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what we've already tasted in your presence. We thank you for what we've already experienced being in your house being with you, being where two or more you always are. So, Lord, we exalt you and we just say continue to dwell among us, continue to move among us, knowing full well what every individual heart needs and together corporately what we need. Our eyes are on you. Our attention is on you, King Jesus. Take this time, Lord. Take this time. Amen. So I have the assignment of picking up Acts 19. We've been in the book of Acts. And I don't know if any of you get this, but every time I go back to the book of Acts or dip into the book of Acts, I re-up, I re-sign up that everything that's written in that book we get to do. So I hope that as you guys have been reading this, we probably should be having a few more testimony times because I would hope that the testimony of the Spirit working in and through our lives would be on the rise. We're in the, we're in the thick of this book. And this is our destiny. This for all sons and daughters. This is the life of the church. So I've been super encouraged and I have been just landing and sitting in Acts 19 for a few weeks. And I can't tell you guys, this is not a long passage. This is only about 40 verses, but I feel like there's 40 messages in it. Isn't that just like the word of God? It's living and active and you just sit in it for a while and you don't move on and you come back and you sit in it and you don't move on and you come back. And he keeps speaking something fresh and something more. It's just amazing to me, but I hopefully have narrowed in this day a couple of things to draw out of the passage that the Lord has highlighted. But he might give you a whole lot more, so go home and hang out in Acts 19 beyond today, all right? So we're picking it up in 19, and Paul has come back to the city of Ephesus. He was there briefly in chapter 18, and they were like, stay with us, stay with us. And he said, well, if the Lord wills, I'll come back. And boy, the Lord willed. So he came back. And Ephesus is, in, is it very interesting, the Ephesian church, because it's the only church that we see its beginnings. We see an epistle written to this church, and we see its assessment in the book of Revelation. That's an that's a eyebrow raiser in itself. 
And I love that. And I love the book of Ephesians because God in that pass, in that book, through Paul, displays the magnificence of the church and who are the children of God and who we are seated in heavenly places with Jesus and how the church is to function and what we're actually doing on the planet. And it's pretty doggone significant. So this is where we are. Paul is back. This is a very spiritually dynamic city. It is the city which housed the temple to the goddess Artemis. It was considered one of the seven wonders of the world. How they did this back in those days, I have no idea. It is a wonder. But there was an, a magnificent, magnificent um, shrine to the goddess Artemis. Historians have pictures of it. It topples anything that we have built in Washington, D.C. And there was this goddess that fell from heaven. And they, the, the city was full of idol worship. The city was very spiritually charged. This was the center of this city, the temple of the goddess Artemis. And I would go into more of what that's about, but you can study that. But it was, it was horrible. It was gross. It had a lot to do with um, temple prostitution and sexuality. It was, it was satanic and it was gigantic and it was bad. It was bad. But the culture was immersed in it. There was great idolatry and this kind of spiritual activity was the cultural norm. And it's on this backdrop that Paul comes back to Ephesus to Ephesus, where he's going to reconnect with some disciples that were made in the, and came into following the way of Jesus in Acts 18. So I'm going to read right now, starting in Acts 19, verse 1, if you have your Bibles, or if you just want to listen. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior, and he arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they said. Paul said, yes, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, to believe in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. We're going to stop there for a minute. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, two things we can gather from this question. Number one, Paul wasn't sure. You don't ask that question if you have a surety about it, if you have an assurance, if there's some type of evidence. Something must have been lacking. He's, and, and we don't know what. We don't know exactly what it is. But if he's asking, there is some level of question. Maybe he's not seeing the fruit of a spirit-empowered life. Maybe there wasn't this joy, this hope in the midst of persecution. Maybe there wasn't a great love among them. Maybe there wasn't zeal for the things of God. Maybe he didn't sense power that he had and has known and had come to experience is the mark of, for all disciples' lives. So we know that. There's one question. Paul was looking for something 
that they may have been lacking. The other thing we could gather from this question is that it's really important. It's imperative, I would say, because it's an apostolic pattern. He's coming back to some brand new young disciples. He is in a city of incredible idolatry and spiritual activity, and the first thing he's asking them, not did you take communion? Have you been baptized? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? This, I like this word. You know, when you go into the, to the armed forces, you get a uniform. Standard issue. The Holy Spirit is the standard issue for the believers. Yes, we get the Holy Spirit within us when we believe. We cannot say Jesus is Lord, but what we continue without having the Holy Spirit at work within us. But what we continue to see throughout all this book of Acts is there is a subsequent empowering, and not one time, but we're going to see it goes on and on and on and on. And for those of you saints in the room, like Red and other kingdom giants, who have experienced the infilling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't stop, does it, Red? This is standard kingdom issue. Standard issue. Have you received the Holy Spirit and empowering? Why would this be so important to Paul? I believe, number one, because it's important to Jesus. If we go back to John 16, Jesus tells the disciples there, I'm about to leave, and guess what? It's going to be for your good that I go. It's for your good. That is, that is not the way we think it should be written or said. But Jesus said, it's for your good because when I go, and unless I go, the Holy Spirit will not come. The helper will not come, but if I go, I'll send him to you. And that is what we saw happen at the beginning of Acts. Jesus died, rose again when he ascended. He sent the Holy Spirit, and that's what happened in Acts 2. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is for your good. That phrase, for your good, literally in the Greek means it's to your advantage. Don't you love having an advantage in life? You got a leg up. <laughs> Who doesn't want an advantage? You know what? Usually when we, someone has an advantage, you know what we say? That's not fair. You had an advantage. And you know what Jesus says? I'm not going to be fair. You're getting an advantage. I'm going to be more than fair. I'm going to give you an advantage, and it's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what you are going to need to become like me and to do what I do. See, the Holy Spirit, the advantage is to be in us to make us like Jesus. The goal for my life is not to become Patty's best self. You know how sometimes people say, I want to become the best version of myself. The best version of myself is the one that's conformed to the image of Jesus. That is the best version of ourself, and I can't get there by trying. I have to get there by surrender and yielding and giving my heart open. God, change me. Oh, please deliver me from me. <laughs> Can we get an amen? <laughs> I mean, it's just such a true thing, you guys, and I know, I, I know you're in agreement with that one. But so the, the advantage is... Jesus says, I'm leaving, and you're going to live like me on the planet. You're my sons. You're my daughters. You're not going to be able to do it apart from the Holy Spirit, but he's coming. That's why it's better I go. So he's going to be in you to change you. I don't think the way I did when I was 
walking with Jesus 10 years ago. I don't, hopefully, I hopefully, I love more than I did 10 years ago because he's always having access to change me, to free us. Yeah, to empower us in new ways. But then he's also going to be on us for the sake of the world. See, we can't do the mission either. And every single one of us in this room is, is enlisted, by the way. Every single one of us in this room has a part in the global mission called the kingdom of God. Because everyone who names his name is a son or a daughter, is his body on the earth. And he has given you a gift of the Holy Spirit. He's given you a calling. He wants you to have influence no matter your age, no matter your gender, no matter where you live. And I and you cannot do the mission without the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's the good news. With the Holy Spirit, we can do anything. We just really can because it's not about us. It's about leaning into what we've been given. He's the advantage. Even Jesus, even John said this. John prophesied it. John said, I'm baptizing with water, but there's one coming after me, and he's going to baptize you with power and with fire. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. So I believe this is super important to Paul, too, because Paul is seeing the context these young disciples are in in Ephesus. He understands there's a city full of idol worship, and, and there's, gonna, there's a great business around it. It's an incredible stronghold, and they're going to need the power of the Spirit to thrive and to advance with him the gospel in this city. So on hearing this, they're like, oh, I'm all in. I'm all in. Paul lays his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. It's the same thing we saw in Acts 2 and the same thing in Acts 10 when the Gentiles in Cornelius' house received. Now listen, we know when we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We know when we have because there's a change. And I want Paul's word to ask us today and to ask you today to hear an invitation. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Because it's a free gift. And it's available today. And I don't want to say it. It's a he. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And we are to be as in, intimate and, 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 and friendly connected with him as we are with Jesus and the Father. Let's get to know him. Oh, I love the Holy Spirit. There was a time when I didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. I grew up in the Methodist church, loved it. Deep roots of great community and teaching. It's been a while since John Wesley's fiery preaching was in the midst of that. But um, I, I have a great heritage. But I didn't learn much about the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I don't know. He was just out there. He was kind of, I don't know who that was. But one day I was at a, I was at a, I was at a youth camp. It wasn't even like a traditional youth camp. It was like a choir camp. It was church kids, but we were learning songs to take on the road, I think. We were going to do something like that. And one night, out of the blue, it wasn't very spiritual. We weren't getting teachings. We were just learning songs. Now, they were Jesus songs, but... And one night, for some reason, our youth pastor's like, you know, we're going to just go and have a little time of communion. And... And this is why communion is always so um, marked for me. Because in that time of communion, I was about 12. I was just there. 
just there, going to take the cup and the bread and and, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came all over me. And I could not explain it. I couldn't do anything but cry. Like, I felt so loved. And I felt like God is so near. He's like, he's like right here. I'd never had this experience, so much so that after, as that was going on, I, and I couldn't stop. I kind of tried to, but I'm like, I don't really want to stop, and I don't know that I can. They went on to play games and do other things, and I went back to our dorm, and I just I kind of tried to hide in the bathroom, and I'm just crying, I'm crying. And it's like the Holy Spirit was taking the love of God and shedding it abroad in my heart. It's, what, it's one of the things it says he'll do. He sheds the love of God abroad in our Oh, how beautiful is the Holy Spirit. Because someone can tell you over and over, oh, God loves you, God loves you. But how different it is when the Holy Spirit, who Jesus said, he'll take from the Father what is mine and make it known to you. In that moment, I'm like, man, I, have a, I am so loved. I'm so loved. I'm so loved. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So I got back from that camp, and I remember my youth pastor said to my mom something like, she had a really great experience, but nobody could really explain to me. But my mom had a couple books hidden in her little bookshelf. One was maybe like, you know, um, They Speak With Other Tongues or something like that, or a Billy Graham book, a safe one on the Holy Spirit. And I remember just going, what is it? But it marked me. It marked me. So have you received the Holy Spirit? He guides us into all truth. He convicts the world of sin. He reveals Jesus. He exalts Jesus. He takes from the Father and makes it known to us what is the Father's. He is the one who stamps in our heart. You're adopted. You belong to God. It's the spirit of adoption. He seals us. He's a deposit. He gives counsel and might. Those are just a few things, but there's a whole ocean of the Holy Spirit to swim in. And I love that we were singing about the river today. Spring up a well. <laughs> because there is an ocean. So let's go on. Verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue and he spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God, but some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and they publicly maligned the way. That's what they were calling it, which I love that. Following Jesus was known as the way. And maybe we should just keep Maybe we just keep bring that back. I love it because it talks about how we live life. This is the way. <laughs> it's not a brand. It's a way of life. <laughs> so Paul left them because they weren't into it. They weren't into it. And they were actually kind of being obstinate. So Paul left and he took the hungry. He took the disciples with him and he had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, actually, before I go there, let's just talk about this for just a minute. Of that little section we just looked at, here's just a nugget for us. Like Paul, invest in those who are hungry for the things of God. They're good soil. 
and the seed will grow. The Jews and Greeks who lived in the province heard it, they embraced the word, they obeyed it, they lived it, and it's spreading. Paul invested every day, two years. Who are you investing in? We're all called to go make disciples. You're already qualified. You're already qualified. Let's go on. Now, there were some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits. I guess they had a little itinerant ministry. Probably we've had a, we, we've had a couple other of these examples. Most of the time they were doing this kind of stuff, they were doing it for money. I think these guys might have been too. Whether it was money or not, it absolutely had to do with selfish ambition because they're like, how can we do it? You know, we've got to do something here. Um, and they tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. I'm sorry, but I love this story. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. In other words, not the Jesus I know. In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, because he's got stuff going on. I command you to come out of him. Seven sons of Sia, a Jew... The seven sons of Siva, a Jewish priest, they were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them through the man who was possessed. Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? He didn't have standard issue. When we've got the standard issue of the Holy Spirit, we're equipped for the spirit realm. No standard issue going on here. And not only that, didn't know Jesus. And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them. Seven of them. And he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. This is a really good movie right here. I mean... I'm telling you, when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed, now these are people who had believed, but remember, they were enmeshed a bit in their culture. Many who believed now came forward and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls and they burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to about 50,000 drachma. Nowadays, I'd be about a million dollars. And in this, in this way... The word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. This story of the sons of Siva has an, a powerful effect on people. The spirit realm is real and Jesus rules over it. That's what they got revelation on. This spirit thing is real and there is a king. And he's in charge of it. And he's really big. Eyes were opened, and this right and healthy fear, both of the demonic realm and the King Jesus realm, kingdom of light, uh, their eyes were opened to the things they had culturally participated in, Idol and, and, and a healthy fear came upon the people. Now, you guys, I know we don't have Artemis here. I know that. 
Of course, different cultures have idols. Of course, this, is, this has just gotten more hidden and palatable in our day, but it exists. And quite simply, idolatry is when we look to some created thing to give us what only God can give. Or we put our trust in anything other than the living God. That's idolatry. He's the only one worthy. So the eyes were opened and they publicly confessed. They publicly renounced. Because what had happened was these people were, they were kind of trying to, you know, control and have power in their life through some of all of this temple worship. And they had these scrolls and different things. And then they would do these incantations. And they believed that these practices really had power while they were kept and done in secret. And hence, they come forward then to not have any more power. We're going to bring them right out in the open. Here's the, script, here's the scripts we were reading, the scrolls and the chants we were doing, and we're burning them. I found it really interesting that the thing, <laughs> stay with me on this, Jesus talks about the secret place. Jesus talks about go into the secret place and be with my Father who's always there. Develop intimacy with him. Be there in prayer. Be there. Be present with him. Just you and him. Go to the secret place. It's the place of power. It's the place of grace. It's the place of transformation. It's the place of building friendship and intimacy with God. And isn't it interesting that the enemy uses the secret hidden space to bring people into slavery and bondage? Jesus uses the secret place to grow us up and free us as sons and daughters. I love this passage here where they burn, where they bring forth these things and they lay them down in the city. They don't care about the financial loss they're having. They don't care about the reputation. This is one of the most beautiful examples of repentance. This is how repentance should be taught. You know, repentance has been hijacked by people holding signs and wearing weird clothes. We're just going to take it back because repentance is a lifestyle. Repentance is metanoia. It means I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to think like God. I have new information which is changing the direction of my life again and again and again. And repentance is a lifestyle. We should always be running to repentance. We should never be afraid to repent to our friends about, oh, I got this thing or, oh, this attitude or whatever it is. It is a gift because here's what happens. Repentance awakens in us a holy longing. It clears our eyesight. It gives us a fresh passion for God, zeal for his honor. It's like Drano going into your sink when the water can't get through. That clog needs to get out. And the Holy Spirit wants to flow through us. But if we aren't living a lifestyle of repentance, that water ain't flowing. The clogs removed, the scrolls are burned, and the word of God goes rampant in the city of Ephesus. How's a stronghold get removed from a city? Here's our, here's our template. Here's one of our templates. The people of God, full of light, living in obedience, living in surrender full of the Holy Spirit influencing their community. 
because that's what happened. That started happening. And boy, those artisans who were building idols, they didn't like it. I'm just going to finish up reading with what happens here. About that time, there was a great disturbance about the way because a silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines to Artemis, brought in no little business for the craftsmen. He called them all together. He got the guild together and uh, other related trades, and he said, look, men, we receive a good income from this business that keeps people in bondage and blind and tormented. We're receiving a good amount of business. And you see in here right now how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in, and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. There's no danger. There is danger now, not only to our trade, that it'll lose a good name, but also that that temple of great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world will be robbed of her divine majesty. And when they heard all this, they were furious and they began shouting, great is Artemis. And then they just go into this whole fervor. And if you go on and read, which I'm not going to finish, I'm going to wrap, I'm going to stop there. But they go on and they go into the, they go into the, you know, the big um, stadium and they just chant for two hours, kind of like, Kind of like the prophets of Baal with Aijah, like if we just yell louder, if we just keep going. Because that's what an idol will do. It's never satisfied. <laughs> anyway, it calms down. God is in control. But that city will not be the same. The gospel has penetrated. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. And it's on a people who are full of both, the Word and the Spirit. You guys, I know at times we can think, we can at times, we need to provoke one another to faith. We need to. That's why we come into this space. I need it. I need my sister who's full of the Holy Spirit to just give me a fresh oomph when I need it. Pray for me. We can all at times grow weary in well-doing. And I think at times we could even grow a little bit cynical if we think about things like revival. But I believe God wants us to, to go, it's not about us whipping something up. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's about being a people who will align our lives with the kingdom that is forcefully advancing since the days of John the Baptist and are not ending. And being a people who live that fully yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit, obeying the word of God. And I know there's a lot of them in this room. And I want to just say, let's go. This is our day. This is our time. This is our city. Wherever you're living, that's your place. And there is not a plan B. And 12 disciples actually turned over, multiplied, 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 multiplied. The eyes of the Lord search, they roam across the earth to see whose hearts are fully committed to him that he might strongly support them. The eyes of the Lord are looking today around us and on this, 
And we have full confidence in our surrender. And our, I just love that these songs this morning, even in worship, were, I surrender everything. I want to give a moment for just us to pray and we'll close. But we are going to have ministry teams up here today. And I would, I felt from the Lord there's a couple of things. Number one, if you can't answer the question, have you received the Holy Spirit like Paul, and you, and you want that, well, then people want to pray for you and agree with you that your life would be enveloped by the goodness and the power of God and the love of God. And new things would begin to happen because he gives gifts, and you all have them. We all get them. And he wants us to function in those and grow up in those. They're for the building up of the body, doing the kingdom stuff. So that's one aspect. The other is this, this place of the secret place. I want to encourage you, if there's any place in your life that you feel like, man, there's a place of, uh, of the secret, that I have something in secret, and man, it just holds me. Today's a day to jailbreak that. And there might be other safe places for you that you have relationship, and that's right. Go there to some, somebody. Don't waste time, though. Because what comes out into the light with one other brother or sister, you get, to, you get to get victory and freedom over. You get power from the Holy Spirit to help you overcome. And that's what real kingdom living is like. That's what we're doing. So we're going to have some prayer teams. And these are people who are obviously elders and leaders here in the church. And they, they're willing and want to pray for you. Or if you have a need in your body, you know, Paul, handkerchiefs and aprons, Sicknesses and diseases we're leaving. So let's go for the, all of it. Let's just, and at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about our, our, our complete trust in what he's written and said. And we're just going to take him at his word. So I would love to invite the worship team. I guess maybe just play a little bit or, or, or music. I don't know, whatever. But I'd like to invite the ministry teams up. I'm going to pray. And then if you feel stirred just to have someone pray for you, um, please do. Please come forward today. The Lord wants to pour out. So I'm going to ask Jesus, thank you for um, your living word that speaks over centuries <laughs> and creates new life and pathways in our spirit to receive more. So Lord, I just ask this morning, Speak to people, whatever you're doing, whatever you want to do. If you're, if you're just tapping somebody and saying, I got something more for you, then let them know. This is just your house. This is our family. It's easy stuff. We just say, thank you, Lord. Come one, come all. And I bless this family. I bless this family. I bless them, Lord, to receive more of you in their comings, in their goings, in their sleepings, in their wakings. In the daily day, there's no mundane day with you. You're in it all. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name.